0: Welcome to Immerse Kingdoms reading for week one, day one. Introduction to Kingdoms. The Bible's opening books, Genesis to Samuel Kings, together constitute Israel's primary history. This opening story covers the events from God's creation of the world and his intentions for humanity to the account of Israel's covenant failure and forced exile from the promised land. The first five books, Beginnings, take us to the point when God's people have been freed from slavery in Egypt and are about to enter the land promised to their ancestor Abraham. The story continues in the next four books, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and Samuel Kings, as Israel enters the land and is commissioned to be God's light to the nations. It is God's plan for His new people to inhabit a new place—the template for showing all people what it means to follow God and help the world to flourish. These books are written in narrative form and have a prophetic viewpoint, always calling Israel to be faithful to the Lord, their High King. As these books begin, God's people are living under God's three earlier covenants made with Noah, Abraham, and Moses— the story moves ahead with a description of the events surrounding the fourth covenant. This covenant is with David, Israel's second king, and promises a lasting dynasty of kings descended from him. Originally, the Israelites didn't have a human king because God himself was their king. Once Abraham's descendants grew into a nation, God sent Moses to be their liberator and leader freeing them from slavery in Egypt and guiding them to the land of Canaan. But Moses was a prophet, not a king. A new leader named Joshua then leads Israel into the Promised Land. He defeats their enemies and divides the land among the twelve tribes. But Joshua wasn't a king either. In the years that follow, as described in the book of Judges, God raises up a series of leaders called judges to rescue the Israelites whenever their disobedience results in their falling under foreign control. The Israelites see themselves as a nation consisting of twelve tribes, and the tradition of tribal leadership is strong. But still, this period shows that while they have no king, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes leading to disastrous consequences for the whole nation. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses foresees that the people will want a king, and when they do, the king will be required to make himself a copy of the law and read it daily as long as he lives, enabling him to lead the people into covenant faithfulness. As the period of the judges comes to a close, the time certainly seems right for a king like this to exert a central authority over Israel and restrain the rampant lawlessness. So when Samuel, the last of the judges, is growing old, the Israelites ask him to appoint a king for them. God sees this as a rejection of himself as their king. But he relents and tells Samuel to anoint a man named Saul. Saul eventually proves stubborn, self-willed, and disobedient, so the Lord tells Samuel to anoint David to replace Saul as king. After much intrigue and danger, David finally comes to the throne. He makes grave mistakes himself, but God still knows David as a man after his own heart because he deeply loves and respects God and His covenant. David's faithfulness to the Lord serves as the standard by which all of his successors are measured in the long book of Samuel Kings, which begins with the stories of Samuel, Saul, and David and then traces the whole future course of the Israelite kingdom. However, because the kings turn away from the Lord and worship other gods, violence and oppression are introduced and the kingdom splits in two. Both kingdoms are later conquered by foreign empires, and the Israelites are forced into exile. At this point, God's plan appears to be deeply threatened. His chosen people have failed to fulfill their commitments in the covenant relationship and are therefore losing their temple, their king, and their land. Just as Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden of God at the beginning of the story... So now Israel is exiled from God's new Eden, the promised land. The tension in the overall story rises here to fever pitch. Abraham's descendants are supposed to be the means by which God will bless and restore the world. But now, all seems lost. Only one thread is left. God's new covenant with King David promises that God will not abandon David's family and kingdom. Whatever work God will yet do through Israel for the sake of the world, He will do through this royal line. Immersed in Joshua The story of how the tribes of Israel became a kingdom begins with the conquest of the land of Canaan. God promised he would give this land to Abraham's descendants, and Moses brought them right to its border. But Moses' successor, Joshua, actually leads Israel into the land, defeating the city kingdoms that rule there. The book of Joshua describes how he did this. Throughout the land, there are walled cities, each ruled by its own king. As long as these fortified, royal cities remain in hostile hands, the Israelites will be under constant threat. The biggest threat of all looms immediately before them as they enter Canaan. Jericho is an imposing fortress that controls the fords of the Jordan River. If the Israelites manage to cross over but then can't defeat Jericho, the river will become a barrier trapping them where their enemies can destroy them. The task is daunting, but God promises Joshua, I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. The book of Joshua has three major sections. Most of it is in the form of a narrative, but at various places there are important lists, including records of defeated cities and kings and of land allotments for Israel's tribes. The book opens with a description of how God prepares Joshua and the people for entry into the land and then guides them across the Jordan River. It begins with God commissioning and encouraging Joshua in his task while also urging Joshua and the people to continually meditate on the instructions God has given to Moses. Joshua sends spies into Canaan and then leads the people into the land, crossing the Jordan River on dry ground. In their new land, they celebrate their freedom festival, Passover, and, for the first time, eat food from the land of promise. Next, Israel invades the central region of Canaan, and then spreads out to both the northern and southern regions. Key to this section is the realization that God Himself is fighting for Israel, thus keeping His promises to Israel's ancestors. The warfare Joshua conducts is brutal, but in the context of the story, the nations are removed from Canaan because they had become utterly corrupt just as Israel itself will be brutally removed in the future for its own detestable practices. These events must be read within the context of God's ongoing story of redemption, especially in light of God's supreme revelation later in Israel's Messiah. Once the land has been conquered, the second section explains how Joshua divides it among the tribes, We may wonder why there is such a detailed description of the allocation of the land, but this gets at the heart of the covenant. God's intention has always been for His people to thrive in the physical place He set apart for them. Israel's conquest of the promised land reflects God's overall objective to reclaim the entire creation as our good home and His glorious temple. The final section of the book focuses on Joshua's leading the people in a covenant renewal ceremony. The leaders of the various tribes and clans gather at Shechem and are challenged to serve God alone, obey the law of Moses, and fully claim their inheritance from the Lord. Choose today whom you will serve, Joshua challenges them. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. The people, aware of their story and recognizing that they are to continue living it out, respond, We would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. We too will serve the Lord, for He alone is our God. At the end of Joshua's life, the people have received God's gift of land as promised and are poised to fulfill their calling as agents in God's mission to all nations. The Lord has kept his promises to Abraham and Moses. Now Abraham's family must step up to become God's covenant people for the sake of the world. This concludes today's Immerse Reading Experience. Thank you for joining us.